0: Hello everyone! Welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. Janine, we have a nice, fun one this week, I think. Um, well, should it be said that we weren't really quite sure what to make of this particular movie we're talking um, about this week? But it's yeah, certainly, it was mystery, I think, going to be a fun was it a mystery?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting.
0: <laughs> it is very interesting. I think we're going to have fun talking about this one today, but we're back on It's a Wonderful Podcast, celebrating old movies, showing our love for old movies, no exception to be seen today, because this movie is filled with all manner of people, Janine. The cast list on this movie is extreme, even if it's not 100% accurate.
1: I mean, it's a stacked cast question mark.
0: It is a stacked cast (laughs) question mark. It's exactly the right phrasing to use. But it's also got a pretty big name director. A very, very big name director. This movie we're talking about today is directed by John Houston. It's The List of Adrian Messenger from 1963 which is about a as a ridiculous movie as its title is because i think the list of adrian messenger is a remarkably boring title yeah and a boringly ridiculous title but, but I they actually also did have
1: some fun with the opening credits as well. We Try to do a little bit of like animated type little things and floating things and moving around things.
0: <laughs> I think to open up our discussion today is we have to uh, we have to come clean on the fact that this movie is actually a little bit of a gimmick movie. It is, um, in the sense that basically in advertising. list of adrian messenger you are given a list of really big name actors janine these actors include tony curtis kirk douglas burt lancaster robert mitchum and frank sinatra and basically the movie uh, asks you to try and figure out the murderer this is a murder mystery movie it's quite a A fancy English murder mystery movie. I suppose it's a little bit of a crowd pleaser, you should say. It's clearly a movie that's made to draw in crowds, which ironically I don't think it performed very well at the box office at all.
1: The gimmick did not pay off.
0: I don't think the gimmick paid off. I think really they needed... We, we we know who the king of gimmicks is and it's william castle.
1: Jimmy. Yes. You need
0: you need william castle to do a gimmick properly. And I don't think this movie had william castle. However, all this being said, I actually had quite a lot of fun with this movie. I actually quite enjoyed this movie both from a legitimate murder mystery aspect but also from a quite silly comedic gimmicky aspect because it's It's tough to try and describe what the movie is because I suppose it it treats itself as a murder mystery. And having John Houston behind it, I think, is very interesting as well because he always comes across to me. He's obviously a very famous director in many, many genres. I tend to think of him most prominently as a noir director
1: yeah like he legitimizes this movie as something a bit more serious than a gimmicky type thing and i think he it's does. more about the audience trying to figure out which one of these actors is under this makeup as opposed to us trying to figure out who the killer is because we do kind of see pretty early on who. yes we, we we we
0: know <laughs> we know which one or we know who the killer is even don't we really yeah um And even which one of the big-name actors who were given in this list in the advertisement, we know who it is because we see him put the makeup on
1: himself, this weird latex
0: makeup. Um, But it it is from our perspective, trying to figure out which one of these actors is under the somewhat obviously... Latexed up actors <laughs> yes. that are in this movie because you walking, you, you've you've got people walking around this movie that oh they look like human beings, you look like a human being, and you look like some sort of Halloween decoration.
1: <laughs> yes, um, so yes, I was very, you know, I saw the first one and I saw I'm like, this is some weird heavy makeup, like what is happening? So then I'm like, okay, this is an intentional makeup disguise to like do your crime and not be revealed who you are. Then, like, you start seeing more and more and more people with these plasticky ass looking faces. And then I'm kind of trying to think, OK, what what is going on here? So I go and I watch a trailer for this movie and then I see what's happening. OK, yes. the, the whole kind of gimmick of this film is we have these big names hidden in this movie under these fake faces your while it is George C. Scott's mission to figure out who this killer is, it's your mission to figure out which big name actor is playing which character under this yeah. plasticky makeup. And so, I actually
0: think I actually think only apart from the one who is actually fairly predominantly in the movie and is the one who we know to be the killer, which is Kirk Douglas in this movie. It's it's kind of obvious to see who Kirk Douglas is. I also think the other actor who it's quite obvious which one they're supposed to be is Robert Mitchum.
1: Yeah, Robert Mitchum, because because his voice is very distinct. And like I was looking at the trivia and the trivia is also just basically like, yeah, Robert Mitchum was the only one who really could not disguise who he was. Because everybody knew his voice and his features are very predominant as well, like his eyes and everything. So, yeah, like even the trivia, the IMDb trivia, like it's like, yeah. Robert I Mitch think even Kirk.
0: Obvious. Even Kirk Douglas tries, doesn't he? But as soon as as soon as you look close enough at his chin, you can't hide the chin dimple. Even yeah. under all that latex. It's yeah. still there's still something still there that you can just tell. There, hang on. Very deep. It's Kirk Douglas <laughs> that. And it's very, very obvious. The other the ones though, of the
1: universe are in that chin dimple.
0: <laughs> I mean they really are. The other ones, though, I suppose could have been any of the other three. And that is, like you said, that is kind of our mission watching this movie. Whilst at the time, we're watching what I think is a really quite entertaining murder mystery led by George C. Scott trying to find the killer of these heirs to a, a family fortune. You know, it's this kind of aristocratic family. Yeah. They love fox hunting. I mean, my God, there's so much fox hunting in this movie. It's quite ridiculous really. Oh yes. Um it's incredibly upper class English and you know we don't necessarily care for fox hunting but there's the scenes of fox hunting in this movie I actually think are really well done. Yeah. And really quite entertainingly done like these big kind of horse chases. Um well, it aside from... <laughs> speaks to speaks to the quality of director we're dealing with, I think. But this is also I think John Houston having more fun than we we may be used to seeing him have because even he shows up in a little cameo at the end as one of the aristocrats who is on that final uh, fox hunt where everybody figures out that it was actually Kirk Douglas who, you know, was the the killer all along because he's like a a long-lost relative or something like that.
1: Of the family, yeah. And his son john houston's son is actually the 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 kid in the movie who plays okay yeah
0: okay i like that i know Uh, i know the movie's also filmed in ireland because john houston lived in ireland for quite a while
1: yeah so some of the scenes were filmed on like his estate where he lived at his home yeah um But yes, I mean, George C. Scott is not only trying to find this killer. I think he's also trying to find his British accent. So that's, you know. Well, (laughs) it's
0: George C. Scott, though, isn't it? I mean, George C. Scott has a ridiculously distinctive voice. And I think this is one of those movies where, yes, okay, it's set in England, but nobody's speaking really in a British no. accent, unless they're very I mean, obviously.
1: John Houston's son is trying as well, a little bit. It's, <laughs> it's so, so you know? <laughs>
0: tippy it's, so t- it's so stereotypical. George C. Scott doesn't really, I think, need to bother. Thankfully, no. Kirk Douglas is playing Canadian, so he doesn't, he doesn't have, have to try.
1: And it's but, just weird too hearing him talk because you can hear, you can hear that you can hear michael douglas you know in his voice so you're like "Well, oh, that's so weird michael douglas i don't realize how much he sounds like his father it's so weird yeah i
0: mean he does <laughs> he does i mean i personally to be honest i'm far more watched on kirk douglas than i am on michael douglas to be honest yeah. um so i always when i hear that voice i do first and foremost go to go to kirk yeah. but yeah, he does. Uh, you know, Michael Douglas does sound like his father. He does. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's it's. This is the kind of movie that almost wants you to spot things like that. It's not massively interested in being a believable story. Even it wants to be a bit larger than life. It wants to simply entertain the crowd that comes to see it yeah. in whatever way that may be. And I think it actually i think it actually does succeed at doing that. Look, is this the best murder mystery you're ever going to watch? No, but it's certainly a very unique one. It's a type of movie that I've never seen this happen in a movie before where you just get a list of massive name actors, hide them in your movie and tell the audience find to find them
1: yes and and play this kind of where's waldo game with them uh so i do think it's really fun in that aspect because yeah i don't think it's something we've seen before but when you kind of have this whole reveal at the end and you know you have the actors kind of pull off their makeup and kind of just wink at the camera it's kind of literally give a wink
0: like i actually think tony curtis gives a proper wink to the camera
1: yeah, it's kind of adorable. So it is. <laughs> uh, you know, for a while, you're kind of trying to figure out what the hell is happening, but when you kind of figure out what ha- what is happening, you really kind of commend this movie for trying to do something different, for trying to be interesting, for you know having these simultaneous mysteries happening. You know, George C. Scott trying to figure out who's doing these murders while we're trying to figure out where these big name actors are going to pop up. So giving the audience kind of their own little mystery to solve uh, uh, while they're watching this mystery within the film, I think it's a really smart and fun kind of concept. So I really appreciate what they're going for and, and what they try to do. And like I well, said, you I think, think John he Houston. Off? Not completely. Cause I think you have to, it takes you a while to kind of figure out what is even happening So you did watch those trailers i knew what you were supposed to do you know going into this yeah. movie because i'm just seeing all these plasticky faces and wondering if there's some big conspiracy if there's like a cult of people who are working with kirk douglas trying to you know assassinate all these people and it's like a whole team of them with this vendetta trying to figure things out but then when robert mitchum gets killed and he has a plasticky face i'm like well, wait. I thought he was part of the plasticky face gang that's out here, like <laughs> killing all these people. So you know, it took me a minute to kind of figure out. Okay, this is pretty much all just Kirk Douglas, and this makeup is just to kind of have us figure out where these big names are popping up. But for a while, I thought they all were part of like his team of people trying to, to uh, yeah, you know, commit these murders. <laughs>
0: Admittedly, I think that is quite an interesting idea. You know, when you have this, you know, masked up, make up group of people that might be conspiring together. That is probably a a great plot for a legitimately serious. Yes. So you can still have the movie. you can
1: still have the idea of like which one is which actor in that plot as well okay but they literally just hid them in there as like random people that had nothing really to do strongly with the main plot some of them they were just there for the fun of ooh, how who you know can you tell who's who and and you know which actors, yeah. which actor so but yes if i had they worked them into the plot more i think it would have been more interesting but the thing is and the question mark that we put on this you know, star studded cast is the fact that like also in kind of reading about this movie, because I was very kind of curious about, you know, the doing this, I, I couldn't find really any videos really breaking down this movie. Um I just found like a lot of the trailers, so I watched those and kind of just read like the IMDB trivia. Um but yeah, apparently most of these actors <laughs> were not really in this movie they literally only had the makeup on for close-up shots and then it was kind of body doubles the rest of the time wearing the makeup so they were there to do the big kind of makeup pull off at the end of the film and were there for kind of close-up things but for the most part a lot of these big names were not really acting in this movie they just kind of were had stand-ins and just showed up for close-up work so yeah which yes yeah, it definitely plays into the gimmick of this movie which is a little bit disappointing that they weren't really fully you know ingratiated in the plot or in their performances
0: it is it is mildly disappointing that they weren't that all of them i should say weren't entirely involved which you know it, it's nice to know that Kirk Douglas and Robert Mitchum were. That's particularly Robert Mitchum really cuz he doesn't have a massively prominent role. Um yeah. but I I like that I like that he was able not not was able he actually was in the movie. You know, I like that yeah. as when when I discovered I mean that the rest of them, you know, Tony Curtis, Sinatra and, and Burt Lancaster were really only in the end reveal and in, in very close-up shots. Um I, I just I appreciate that Mitchum, a favourite of It's a Wonderful podcast, was yes. <laughs> actually playing his full movie. role. Yeah. Uh, and putting on a little bit of a strange accent himself yeah you know this weird kind of irish thing but it's still quite what yeah, she was to trying to do
1: i think to to disguise like his very distinct voice but yeah, it didn't quite play um i also read that apparently they offered one of these disguised parts to elizabeth taylor but once she kind of heard about the rigorous makeup process and how kind of painful it would be kind of pulling it off and things she was like nope no thank you. Do not want to ruin my well, under- beautiful face.
0: <laughs> well no, but you can wow. you can understand that. Yes. I think you can definitely. understand that. But it would have been um, that interesting
1: to have one woman in there. So maybe that's why Bert Lancaster is <laughs> that woman because in there we couldn't up. get a woman.
0: Yeah, Bert Lancaster's playing a Protesting. Um, anti fox hunting. hunting protester. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is it look, it, it's very silly. I think it's a movie that's almost made now, or you will have fun now if you are a fan of of old Hollywood and just the actors of old Hollywood, the people of old Hollywood, I think you will enjoy this movie because it's just seemingly a bunch of them having fun together with a yeah. a big name director who you might not view all the time as someone who's capable of quite a silly movie in in tone that this actually ends up being, even though it does, you know, it does take itself, take the story of it quite seriously. Like the actual plot is played pretty seriously, but I do think it does have that knowledge of itself. It has that self-awareness that I think is important for this. Um, I I do see that self-awareness come off. And I appreciate John Huston for just taking, you know, the time to make a movie like this. And I should have known he's able to make kind of fun movies with, you know, casts of small part people um, that, who are big names. Because a great movie from, that's later on in John Huston's career but is Escape to Victory, which is the, the football movie but it's, it's the World War II football movie with Michael Caine, Sylvester Stallone, and a bunch of real-life, very famous Big footballers. Names.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Like Pele and Bobby Moore and Osvaldo Adelis and all these people that are actually huge-name football players in this yeah. football war movie, alongside Michael Caine and Stallone in 1981. Oh. Interesting. Um... So, I should have really known that John Huston is more than capable of making a movie with this kind of tone.
1: Yeah. Because that's very I mean, similar,
0: really. That's a self serious movie that's got self awareness to be like, hey, look, it's Pele doing football skills. Look, look, and nudging <laughs> you a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know? But I'm like, I wonder how much was John Huston's input and idea to kind of conceive of this gimmick aspect of it. And how much of it oh, was I don't like, know if the it was studio used and like, and yeah, and he just was, you know, the director, he was just given this idea and he had to direct it or if he had any input in, you know, how kind of silly this got.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, uh, admittedly, I don't know. I, I do always like to think with with our more known directors of that time that studios do take their input into play and it's not just kind of fed to them saying you're doing this yeah it's like you know with because i don't think they would have become who they have become if they just worked on anything they were given i think they you know would have needed to to want to or were happy working on on such a project or at least yeah well i suppose at least had the or at least have the talent and the dedication to see it through to the best of their abilities, which I do, I do think this movie does. And and as for the kind of actual murder mystery plot itself, I do actually I, I I do get into it. I think George C. Scott plays a really good kind of straight man in this movie. And I like George C. Scott.
1: I, I do, like I really like him Scott. in this movie.
0: Uh, This is 1963, so I, you know, we talked about Anatomy of a Murder a few weeks ago, which was 1959. So this is kind of like younger George C. Scott before he goes past the mid-60s and really starts to become more known, you know, as he gets a a little bit older. Um, He's still in his 30s, I think, at this point. So he's not quite reached peak George C. Scottness. But he is, I really do actually quite like him in this movie. I know you say he's trying to do a little bit of an English But I think
1: the tone of his voice, you know, is very kind of low and a bit raspy. And so I think he's able to kind of get the draws on certain, uh, you know, enunciations of words well enough that you you know you get what he's going for yeah it's not a terrible british accent but it's not as strong as you know you would think it should be so that's why i was like i feel like he was trying to kind of find it the whole movie Um,
0: yeah but i'll tell you what he does find though janine is he finds himself I'm a waiting. place in the mustache <laughs> yes, hall of fame. Yeah, George for C. That. Scott as our latest inductee into the mustache <laughs> hall of fame that doesn't have too many people going in it these days anymore, really. But George C. Scott has a pretty good mustache in this movie. Yes. Pretty great one. So applause and toast to George C. Scott, <laughs> the latest inductee. Into the Mustache Hall of Fame. Well done, George. Yes, applause, applause, applause for George C. Scott. Um, Aside from our gimmick cast members, though, we do actually have quite a good actual cast in this movie as well. Dana Winters, our leading lady from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body
1: Snatchers, yes.
0: You've got older Herbert Marshall in there, who's a great kind of... uh, I mean, I mainly know Herbert Marshall from Trouble in Paradise from 1932. That's kind of a that's a great Ernst Lubitsch movie that we should do on this show, actually. But great movie, Miriam Hopkins, Kay Francis from pre code kind of criminal rom-com kind of situation. Um, we have
1: um, what I'm sure her real name is stereotypical snooty rich British woman. Uh.
0: Oh, is it? It's... um. <laughs> It's Gladys Cooper, isn't it? Is it Gladys Cooper? <laughs> She's—I mean, she's always great as well. These are these are good, good big-name people. We also have who I view as the love child of Claude Rains and George Sanders, who's the French dude. Who I forget oh, the name, yes. but does he not look like the perfect mix of Claude Rains and George Sanders you've ever yes. seen?
1: Yes, yeah, I was definitely getting George Sanders because I was like, well, who is he reminding me of?" It does and look yes, like George Sanders? Definitely George Sanders. Um, he's also kind of just like French version of George C. Scott, I think, just because of the similar stature ah. and 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 uh, the hairstyle and everything. It was just like he was the French version of him.
0: <laughs> but he's playing the the sole survivor of a. A plane crash, which we see, kind of Kirk Douglas instigate, don't we? Somehow he very easily take puts a. I mean, it's quite. We're thankful for airport security Security these days. I I, I would say because he
1: very easily, kind of. Kirk Douglas does.
0: He does very, very easily manages to put a bomb on a plane.
1: (laughs) Yes. Just through putting his suitcase
0: through the through the hold
1: the title namesake character adrian messenger
0: yes that who is the heir to this aristocratic family and you know he's got this big well kirk douglas has this list actually in the first place doesn't he or make up you know latexed up kirk douglas has this list that he's kind of crossing names off kill the heirs kill the heirs and his last one is adrian messenger we see this uh plane crash be, be instigated and go forth and then we see adrian um give a you know a, a list himself almost a you know that that's the title of the movie the list of adrian messenger and he gives yeah. it to this french dude who goes back to the fancy estate and george c scott's there he's a former is he a, like a former intelligence officer George C. Scott. Something and
1: him and George, but him and George C. Scott knew each other through kind of, I guess, radio correspondence throughout the war. So they knew each other only by kind of radio correspondence, but they had never met in person. So because of the connection with this case, they now kind of meet their first time meeting each other in person, but had known each other. And because, you know, he feels kind of the Frenchman kind of feels invested now because he like survived this. He's like, I will work with you to figure out this case so then they kind of yeah together
0: and the 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 rest of the movie is basically figuring it out and i do actually think it's quite a, even though we ourselves know the killer i don't think that detracts from the actual mystery that the characters are going through
1: yeah because there's a whole thing where Um, You know, they're trying to kind of reenact what Adrian Messenger was saying before he died. And, you know, they got the chalkboard out and they're kind of writing things down and just looking at different things that just don't add up. And so, yeah, it's really interesting to see them kind of figure out what we already know and the steps that they're going to kind of uh, really delve into what who's potentially doing this so yeah you don't lose any kind of interest in them solving the case even though we know who the culprit is
0: no i think that's i always like that as an i as an idea to be honest i sure i like a murder mystery where you're figuring it out alongside the characters but this way of doing it is a very valid way of doing it as well telling the audience and making the audience exactly aware of who's done it having them then come into the movie like Kirk Douglas does in a in a prominent role and kind of you know come into the family estate and reveal himself as a long lost cousin and you know be welcomed in by the patriarch of the family um you know who's who's obviously going to be giving the inheritance when he dies because he's quite an old man at this point that's that's why this you know mass murdering spree is going ahead um because he's he's you know reaching his autumn years um it's i think it's interesting for an audience to see those kind of things play out to see the killer come into our group of investigators and them not know or or them treat him like a perfectly genial human being rather than who yeah
1: and who's very separate from what they're trying to figure out when he's in fact the center of it um exactly but yeah i mean like knives out kind of did a similar thing like we see right off the bat like yeah. what happened and who the killer essentially the killer was um but we're trying to reveal something else um so yeah, I think it's definitely always an interesting way to go about a murder mystery when you're kind of giving up the mur- the mystery right away to the audience. So then it's on you know us to kind of root for the investigators to see if they could kind of put the pieces together and figure it out. And so it's kind of, it brings a different element of tenseness because you're like kind of anticipating if they're going to figure it out or not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I actually really like... The back and forth, the kind of chemistry that George C. Scott and Kirk Douglas have in those scenes, because I think Kirk Douglas plays—he plays he play, I, I, What's the what's the phrase? The right kind of phrase: confident but knowing. because he, he knows what he's done. Obviously, he's yeah. almost too confident for his own good. Yeah, comfortingly confident, almost.
1: Um, yes. I think
0: Kirk Douglas plays that very, very well.
1: That arrogance because like, he's, ha, ha, ha. I'm right under their noses and they have no yeah. idea.
0: He's very naturally kind of evilly charismatic, yeah. I find. Even though he's also obviously very good at playing quite typical heroic kind of roles. I think yeah. he's very good at playing just a little bit sinister when he wants to. Yes. So I, I really, really do like kirk douglas in this movie Um, and i do think he plays off you know george c scott pretty well who i'm glad i'm now watching what more well after you know watching anatomy of a murder for the first time in years uh, a few weeks ago i'm glad that I'm, i'm watching more slightly younger slightly earlier in his career george c scott movies rather than the 70s and even 80s stuff that i'm usually watching with george c when he's kind of older
1: The first time I saw George C. Scott, I think I mentioned this before, was in a 90s teen movie. So as the lead character's grandfather. So in kind of getting to do the have this rewind with him and see him earlier in his career. And uh, it's always this cool thing for me with this show. Um, Because, yeah, you know, the movies that I constantly push on you. (laughs) hasn't seen. Oh, uh, yes. Very much of my late 90s, you know, uh, early 2000s kind of generation mid-90s style movies. So a lot of times when I see these actors that we talk about now on this show, they are people that I see as grandparents or parents in those movies. And so to kind of get this cool rewind with them and see them earlier in their careers is always just a delight for me. So yeah, seeing really Really? young, you know, George C. Scott kind of uh, really doing his thing and uh, seeing kind of where knowing where he ended up in his career and performances he was he was giving as an older person uh, to kind of see the start of that is always cool so i like that we're seeing more of of george c scott here on the channel
0: <laughs> oh yes i mean how channel. do you yeah. <laughs> how do you find this murder mystery plays out then and why do you think this movie has so many scenes of fox hunting in it like it definitely has three quite <laughs> extended fox hunting scenes
1: it does it does (laughs) i mean i think it adds to the you know you have this space of land and so you're just going to kind of use it to fill the story i guess so i I don't know i think i think they work
0: (laughs) yeah i think they work in a competitive kind of sense Yes, because I think it was like
1: as... Kirk Douglas's big debut of of him as him playing this part of this really cool guy that's supposed to kind of impress everybody.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, he's getting on be...
0: well. You know, let's not forget Kirk Douglas is also getting on well with the very young grandson, who yes. you know is, is John Houston's real you know grandson, but he's I mean he's. He's a little bit annoying to me in the movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't kid. know what it is. I find when when you have very, very upper class English kids as movie characters, they either go one way or another. They they're either like really quite endearing and you kind of you understand them because they may have struggles or something like that all they come across as i'm thinking like a, a great expectations type of thing even though pipping great expectations obviously isn't traditionally upper class he's kind of made that way yeah through originally being very very low class but on the other hand you get kids like this who just come across like Oh, yes, we love horses and dogs and hunting. Oh, oh we're so. Oh, dear mother. grandfather, look at what's happening here. Oh, God, shut look up. Look at this
1: fabulous horse, Avatar.
0: I wasn't jumping I can... him,
1: he <sighs> was jumping me over
0: the. The road magnificent animal. Heads. He can. This
1: magnificent I can... creature. I've never <sighs> heard of anything such as Avatar. <sighs> grandfather. Like. <laughs>
0: It is. And look, this is clearly what this kid's been told to do. But my God, is he playing it up to the nines? It's a little bit ridiculous. It makes me appreciate when latexed up up Frank Sinatra comes into the movie. And just, he has to, finally we get a little bit of respite from all this ridiculous aristocracy. Because, look, okay, you're going to have a murder mystery movie aristocracy and aristocratic houses and big estates are great places to set these stories. Yeah. They are. They always have been. But you almost appreciate Frank Sinatra's kind of gypsy traveler coming in and just being like, yeah, here's this horse. <laughs> Go and do whatever you want with it. It's it's just a nice little... Because he doesn't know what the hell to do with this man. <laughs> You know, yeah. this kid's just like, oh, okay, I'll get on this horse. And then he just goes, smacks the horse and goes, you know, says his horse command and the horse has gone off and everybody's running around going, where? Like, oh He's called God, what Derek happened? as well. Like, do you not think Derek is, is not really an aristocratic name? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't sound, very sound very aristocratic at but they're all shouting after him. Oh, where's he gone? Where's he gone? Where's he gone? And he wheels back around on this horse, going, "Oh, oh, avatar, the horse! This <laughs> this man gave me the horse. It's a magnificent creature. A
1: magnificent creature, <laughs> never rode like, anything such as this. Oh yes, it is.
0: Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, here's a
1: five. Here's a five pounder. It's like, a five he pounder. For <laughs> he, he does, produce, and he disappears
0: <laughs> in like a puff of smoke. <laughs> Why does Ain't he that, just man? disappear out of nowhere? It's bizarre. It's a weird, yeah. weird, weird movie. He's playing, but like, I gypsy can't.
1: Man. Like, oh. He is.
0: Tony Curtis is playing a guy with a piano on the street, just yes. randomly. He's barely in the movie at all.
1: Yes, he's like an organ grinder just walking down the street. Just like, okay.
0: Um, <laughs> and yeah, Burt Lancaster's playing a fox hunting protester. Yeah. And. Mitch I don't even know what Mitchin was he was just a guy in a wheelchair who
1: potentially was somebody who was in the same regiment as the people oh, on the list yeah. or yeah, knew some that's true. of them
0: or, yeah. and that's why he was killed off that's why
1: killed cuz he might have had information on yes. all the people in this on this list that were being killed and
0: or as we should you know. oh, really more information on actually who Kirk Douglas was
1: Yes, because, because we are told that there's a it was a Canadian who betrayed everybody and that's where they all kind of got captured and it was like yeah, it was a Canadian guy. So.
0: I did also want to bring this up as well. It, this movie is very anti Canadian. You <laughs> mean this movie does paint the Canadians as, as evil people stabbing
1: betrayers.
0: You yes. do? How do you feel about this? I was quite entertained by that because literally that every Canadian that. I've ever come across is just delightful.
1: Nicest so, person ever.
0: Yeah. Canada is a stereotypically delightful country, so I just find it quite funny how they're just playing the evil person. As a, <laughs> and I'm as sure Canadian. Russia
1: was like, Ooh, nice to have a break.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it would have been a bit too obvious, you know. The movie does actually want yeah. to trick you sometimes, doesn't it? That's yeah. the point of this movie. So maybe. Maybe they're just doing that as well by having evil Kirk Douglas be Canadian. I don't yes, know about that. <laughs> if, I, if I went to the Canadian Royal Mounted Police with this evidence, they would laugh in my face. And George C. Scott goes, hmm, Shut up, George. Because I think Kirk Douglas's name is actually George in this George, movie. Yeah, is, I believe so. It's quite fun. And that just reminded me of the Canadian Royal Mounted Police, who so I just find hilarious but also kind of great that that's Canada's that's one of Canada's law enforcement regiments you know there was
1: a whole character Dudley Do-Right which uh
0: there was yes
1: yes Brendan Fraser that was his second of that kind of animation style because I believe Dudley Do-Right and uh and George of the Jungle were both like the same cartoon set as like Rocky and Bullwinkle and all that yeah so yeah, so they tapped him to play Canadian Mountie Dudley Do Right. Well.
0: <laughs> sounds sounds right, Janine. It yes. sounds right. But, Canadian, um, icon. <laughs> Canadian icon. Canadian <laughs> right. icon. Oh dear, but no, I um, I don't really know what much more else we can probably say about this movie. I think it's a short and sweet episode. Yeah, of the main show this I agree. Week. I
1: think we've kind of covered everything,
0: but. I did genuinely have fun with this one. I found it really, really entertaining. I know there was aspects of it that you maybe wanted a little bit more from, and you maybe wanted the actual murder mystery to be treated a little bit more seriously. But I can't help but being legitimately entertained. I think it's a good murder mystery. And I think the fun of seeing all these heavily make uped big-name actors is doing what it promised to do, which is please the crowd, please the audience watching it. And I think it yeah, did that I mean, to me.
1: I do, I do think I fell for the gimmick a little bit, especially when that ending and, like, everyone kind of has this fun-to-camera reveal pulling off their makeup. It's just kind of this fun thing. And just, you know, in the 60s, seeing that, you know full face kind of makeup prosthetics was something that was being done and done fairly well. I mean, yes, you could tell that there was something not quite natural about these faces, but for 1963, I think.
0: Oh, sure. But I, I also think that's the point.
1: Yes. So I think it looked pretty good for kind of early stages of prosthetic makeup, you know, that would lead into cooler things that we get today now with learning techniques and learning different materials and things like that. So the kind of early stages of makeup like this, I think, was very impressive. So that was also just a cool thing to see as well. So, yeah, I I, I think I I fell for the gimmick a little bit.
0: (laughs) Good, good. I think that's what the movie wanted. That's what I wanted. And I'm glad that we got that because I was more than willing to go along with the gimmick too, even though we haven't got the king of gimmicks, William Castle. Yes, you know, giving his
1: had he had people walking down the aisles with with plasticky faces on, just like scary. Great, them well, exactly. The film, you know? Had
0: had given one out of his. Fa-
1: Giving out props actors, and masks and, You know, souvenirs yes. and...
0: <laughs> Or had one of his actors Be actually in A particular screen Somewhere in LA Or whenever it was yeah. Or what William Castle would have probably done Is would have actually had Different versions of the movie That would play randomly Where each one of the people Were the actual killer
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: I feel like that's something that Castle would have probably done. Yeah, Um, like
1: had several different versions of the ending.
0: Uh, So I kind of, I would have liked that almost as well. But I don't by any means think this movie fails at what it's intending to do. No,
1: definitely not. I think it's
0: a, a good movie. I really do, and a very yeah, very it was entertaining. A nice, it was a nice
1: movie. surprise. It was well, not it was not what I was expecting. I think the goal was to subvert expectations, and it definitely did that because I was not expecting the movie to take the turn or that it was doing what it set out to do. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely kind of an interesting surprise, and I, I was into it. So
0: good, good. <laughs> I'm very very glad about that, Janine. But yes, maybe we will call the natural course of this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast there, as a shorter and sweeter episode. What do you say, Janine? I concur. Well, there we go. A nice bit of levity is required every now and again on the main show, and we've had that today with the list of Adrian Messenger from 1963. Starring Janine, let's get the list up again. Yes. George C. Scott, Dana Winter, Clive Brook, Tony Curtis-Kirk, Douglas Burt Lancaster, Robert Mitchum, Frank Sinatra, Herbert Marshall, Gladys Cooper, and John Houston in a cameo. Yes. Directed by, of course, John Houston. We'll be back, I would think, with perhaps more serious fare on the main (laughs) show next week. But who's to say? we won't be going for silly movies again because silly movies existed in this time Janine we think yep. of old hollywood as a as a place of serious movie making if it, if it's even com you know it can be a comedy movie but a serious movie making this movie shows that even back then with these actors and these directors of this era you were still getting pure cash grabs yes which is exactly what this movie movie is attempting and unfortunately at the time i do not believe it It worked at all that much cash (laughs) no but now we may look back on it with some fondness i suppose and celebrate this unique movie particularly unique movie and i appreciate that and that's what i love to do on it's a wonderful podcast janine But this show, where we celebrate those old movies, is not the only show you can find on this feed, is it?
1: It is not. We have Monday Madness with Morgan and Machine. Every Monday on our It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel and the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. Uh, Just a fun, chill show we do over there. We talk some hot topics. We get into a general uh, fun thing that we want to discuss. And then we play some fun games. So definitely chill vibes there. All day, all the time, every Monday. So check that out, Monday Madness. And of course we have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday where I force Morgan to watch a movie he hasn't seen. Uh, Pick a fun genre or actor or franchise or series of films that are kind of related and pick a few that Morgan hasn't seen, we watch and discuss. So it's always a good time over there introducing Morgan to some brand new things.
0: Yes, Monday, Wednesday and Friday we have you covered here only It's a Wonderful Podcast feed you can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Amazon Music and everywhere else. We also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel for Monday Madness in its full glorious video format, as well as watch-alongs, live discussions, other fun videos we have on there too. Please subscribe and ding your notification bells over there on YouTube. And subscribe, of course, to this audio podcast feed as well. And leave the five-star reviews here, which I don't often ask for. But, you know, you can do that if you're feeling nice. We also do have the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon, which you can join if you are feeling particularly generous. Find the tier that's right for you on It's a Wonderful Podcast podcast if you type that into patreon you will find us it's uh patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one also uh, we have a donation link in the description if you would like to uh, donate that way as well and on twitter you can find the show at it's a wonderful one find me at the purple Dawn with a three instead of the e in the because janine
1: three is the magic number
0: on instagram at just the purple don all your fancy british aristocratic stuff is where
1: <laughs> you can find me at to bean underscore on twitter to bean on instagram and tiktok if you want to get any merch for any of our shows you can find that at my teespring shop teespring.com uh, just search it's a wonderful podcast we have all our logo designs there for all of our shows uh, i also added some fun stranger things design including El fun new eddie munson design as we were in love with the brand new season of stranger things so please check that out at our teespring shop Uh, and if you want to purchase any of my art in print form you can find that at my big cartel shop g9design.bigcartel.com
0: well there we go janine i would like a george c scott impression please uh, so he's a bit he's a bit gravelly but, uh, <laughs> very, but also very loud and able to yes, and have his boisterous. voice like it's this it's, it's a very interesting mix of. but in this movie he was talking a little bit like this so that's twirling my invisible moustache moustache 2 three two one you've got the bark nailed definitely <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: the avatar, what a magnificent creature!